Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, providing creative tools that help you bring your ideas to life. Squarespace offers free domain names, customizable designs, and 24-7 support. Go to squarespace.com and use the offer code GUARDIAN to get 20% off during the month of September. The Guardian. Hello, this is Music Weekly. I'm Alexis Petridis. And I'm Kieran Yates. This week... We'll be chatting to Detroit rapper Lady Angel Hayes and Dom Lawson will be rounding up the month in metal. And in Singles Club, we'll be giving the thumbs up or thumbs down to tracks by Lord, Jesse Lanza and One Tricks Point Never. That's all on Music Weekly from The Guardian. It's interesting you are having difficulties, Kieran, uh, pronouncing uh, some of the names there. You, you know, I, I know it seems like this is all off the cuff, but it's editing. We had to do a couple of runs of that intro. And um, I discovered this week, yes. there was a sad news story, um, really, about a couple of American uh, indie rock uh, types who got busted with heroin, um, one of whom uh, was the singer, lead singer, uh, maybe the guitarist in a band that I thought that it's spelled D-I-I-V Dive, Dive yeah. yeah I've been calling them Div <laughs> <laughs> that's more apt probably yeah, yeah I was, I, I'm fancy calling your band Div <laughs> you know and it turns out that that's, it's Dive yeah it was that, him and Sky Ferreira Ferreira yeah, Ferreira, yeah Ferreira. busted for smack the, the other voice you can hear in the studio is our guest uh, the Guardian's very own Lanray Bakari Lanray what's been in the news what's been what have you been what's been popping this week Pop- yes um Gucci Mane's meltdown on Twitter. Gucci Mane. Who Very would have good. thought that a man who had enormous ice cream tattooed yeah. across his face might... Well, yeah, we, I mean, we were talking about that earlier, me and Kieran, and uh, the ice cream looks kind of normal now. It seems like <laughs> quite a normal thing for him to be doing. He just went absolutely bananas. Kind what of did like, he do? I, I would, he, he, he announced that he split him with his label, Atlantic, right. and now since he's been dropped, uh, he said that he had sex with Nicki Minaj... Uh, he, he has not that's a lie yeah that's a massive lie um, <laughs> he just fell out with everyone who knows him uh, Waka Flocka Flame who's been his good buddy for many yeah, years yeah, yeah. Brick Squad he he kind of turned on him and said that Drake was a little I won't repeat the word but it, was, it wasn't very nice uh, uh, bad. bad a bad, bad word a bad word a, a feminine man really he, yeah oh no the worst kind of man apparently. oh no the wor- oh no really <laughs> oh it's unfortunate I mean I would say not in defence of Gucci Mane, but it's worth noting that he did have the ice cream tattooed on his face as a means of celebrating his return to good mental health. Well, yeah. that was yeah. a cry for help, wasn't it? Do you think? We just People, they weren't listening. They weren't listening and they were surprised when he had a Twitter meltdown. Yeah. It's always the way. I know. He's on another level. I think he's kind of like the, the American rap gazer, really. <laughs> you know, he's, this, he's this flawed genius. Because he's, he's so prolific. I mean, he's probably like eight. Eight or nine mixtapes this year. Really? Yeah. yeah, something ridiculous. That's happened. incredible. That's a, a phenomenal amount of material. He sounds a bit like, uh, not that, uh, element of Wiley <laughs> about this guy. In that a bit, he's a bit of a sociopath, I mean. There's... Yeah, and that he goes a bit bananas on Twitter now and again. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But I think do, you think, do you think that this kind of, um, this level of beefing that he seems to have suddenly erupted, mm. you know, uh, into, is that going to have a positive or negative? I could never work it out with rappers. Because if I was Zelia Banks's, you know, advisor, handler, whatever, you know, it's yeah. an unlikely state of affairs, but, <laughs> but run with it. Um, I would say, get off, get off Twitter, finish your album and get off it because yeah. this is you're, you're now just known for starting fights with every, you know, with every, and this is detracting from you as an artiste. Yeah. Do you think, in the case of Gucci Mane, this sort of thing is going to detract from him as an artiste, or is it just going to add to the myth? 
Yeah, I think it'll, it'll add to his kind of, uh, yeah, the myth that surrounds him, really. <laughs> yeah. Which isn't really, it's just he's bonkers. Yeah, I mean, if, if you have crazy as part of your capital, then it makes sense to let the world know, doesn't it? Yeah. About it. Other than Gucci Mane, Kieran, what's been going on in your world? Uh, well, someone who was really great on the internet this week was Madonna on Reddit, I that thought. That was brilliant, wasn't it? Very Send good. photo. Mm. Send photo, <laughs> telling us about her penis-shaped bong. Oh, God. And how much she likes hoovering. <laughs> Yeah, vacuum. she spelled vacuuming wrong though, didn't she? But we'll let her off. <laughs> <laughs> Overly critical. <laughs> Pedant, yeah. Um, she, yeah. Yeah, she was very good. So for those who don't know, um, Reddit is a, a kind of social uh, content site. Uh, its tagline is the front page of the internet, where uh, lots of the time, I think Alan Rus- our very own Alan Rusbridger has done it. Yeah. Uh, lots of celebrities do Ask Me Anythings, where they're sort of open to the public asking them questions online. And the other day, Madonna did it. And lots of other kind of musicians and artists have done it. But hers is particularly good because it really sounded like her. And there was lots of swearing and her being quite funny and also a little bit illiterate. Yeah. Did illiterate? Yeah. She was illiterate in what way? Just te- no, no, typing fast. Just, yeah, but just not even like uh, typo spellings. Because sometimes you know because you see the spellings and it's like the Q and the W are next to each other, so you understand. But some of them were just spelled completely wrong, yeah. weren't they? It was more with grammar, wasn't it? I mean, if you're going to get really into it. And, but but <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't use abbreviations like lol, which some people yeah, are impressed by. She didn't by. get those dangling participles right. Yeah. <laughs> She's just lying in bed at night in her enormous gold and platinum encrusted bed. Which she's bought with the funds of being the most famous woman in the world. Oh, my dangling participles. Can't use a semicolon, don't chat to me. Yeah, sight out much. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I think you're picking flaws. I found an amazing clip of the Danish uh, X Factor on YouTube. And amazing, because it was a study in contrast with our own X Factor. This was a, not a, uh, a sort of wannabe at the audition. This was a contestant on the Danish X Factor. And the song she performed in front of the judges is a song called Chimmer Come Rain. It's a very obscure sort of piece of uh, psychedelic folk from by a woman called Linda Perhax. He made one album in 1970, then left the music industry and became a dentist. And it's a, one of those records that fetches about 500 quid. It's like massive with a certain kind of person, but a very, very obscure record to be covering. And uh, she sang it beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. Maybe we can drop a little bit of it in. We'll drop a little bit of in. Here's a little bit of, uh, well, here's a bit of the original. Here's a bit of, uh, uh, this is Linda Perhax from 1970, Jimmy Comrade. Every day since I came And the lichen covers rocks And the green finds everything Jimmy So this is the song that a contestant on the X Factor did. She sang it beautifully, sang it really well. And I just thought it presented a little study in contrasts with our own X Factor, where this week Simon Cowell upbraided someone at audition for performing a song that was too obscure. It's by Tiny Temper, right? <laughs> and I just thought this is, this is sort of amazing. But going back to the being too critical thing, I put this, I mentioned this on Twitter. Right. And somebody went, there is a section in the original version of Chimicum Rain that's just sort of freeform, went, oh, didn't do the, she didn't do the weird bit. It's, oh, come on, please, people, you know. Call that psychedelia. Yeah, cut, yeah. cut, this, cut this woman a break here, you know. Um, Jules Holland is back, 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 back. Yeah, 43rd series. Amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. But now they're filming out in Medstone. 
Is that where it is? Yeah, which which uh, which is quite funny. Just to think of Sting and Kanye West just getting driven around Maidstone. Sting and Kanye West, if they were in the same people carry with Jimmy Nail, who I noticed was in the Nail. background of that Sting's was performance. Best, that was the best. <laughs> what, why have you got him? Just to remind you, just to remind the world, there is a more widely disliked Geordie than yourself, Sting. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, it was just because it wasn't announced. Was it mentioned that it was Jimmy? Did I miss it? I went for a no, cigarette. A lot of people were like, "Was that? Was that Jimmy Nail?" Jimmy. And then Twitter kind of erupted, and then it kind of cut back to me. And it was Jimmy Nail just sat there. He looked all right, actually. It's okay. Yeah. Kanye West. How what, was... do we, what do we make of Kanye West? Was it pretty pretty intense stuff? It was intense, but I think about half a few I started to get a bit bored. <laughs> just going to throw that out there because, because Bound Two is a, is a great track, mm. but it's quite confused. Yes, um, and it's kind of all over the place, and I felt a bit sorry for Charlie Wilson, who was there singing, kind of belting it out, and then it's kind of like got weird jazz timing, and all of a sudden, bang, the sample comes in, and he's got to shut up. And yeah, 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 yeah. A lot so. of messianic this yeah. business arms out from Kanye but for a long, long time. He's an artist that really benefits from a really big live show, and so I always feel like it's really weird when you see him in that kind. Of, in yeah, that there's kind no of audience there now. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's, it's really strange, and you can tell. He, he, I think he quite feeds off that. You know, his, his ego grows with the screams of people, his fans. Yeah. Um, and it could, with the absence of that, I felt like it was a bit... Um, there was a great picture with him and Drenge after, <laughs> which, was, which was amazing. I just thought, are they going to get together now? Like, is that going to... Are they going to appear on his next album? But there's that weird thing that the, the rappers sometimes do, where they sort of alight on someone from outside the world of, of urban music, mm. It's like it's literally impossible now. You can't buy a hip hop R and B album and avoid the guy from Bon Iver. He just seems to be on it every <laughs> every. There's one really whipper. It was the Hives. I seem to remember the Hives. Oh, but yeah, the Hives were on like a played, Timberland album. And yeah, and they played the. Uh, did they play <clears> the Made in America thing? The Jay Z festival. Yes, I think yes. they were playing there, weren't they? Um, but it's that weird sort of sense sometimes where they go, oh, "Right, we're going to get it. Mr. Hudson." What? Yeah, yeah, Why? Yeah, yeah. Why? You know. <laughs> Um, I saw Jay-Z um, live on Jules Holland uh, when Foo Fighters and Stornoway were also playing. Wow. Um, and at the end, like, Jay-Z was really excited to get his picture taken with Stornoway. Really? Was he? Support. Yeah. And it was also really funny because members of the audience were shouting, what's your pin at him? What's your pin? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Dear, oh dear, oh dear. Um, let us move on. I think that's plenty. That's all the news. Rapper Angel Hayes was raised as part of the greater apostolistic faith, a church she's since called a cult and didn't listen to secular music until she left the church at 16. She's since been making up for lost time, releasing a mixtape reservation, signing to Island Records, coming third in the BBC Sound of 2013 poll. That's, that's... <laughs> what an accolade. <laughs> and joining the likes of Lady Gaga and Lily Allen by having a Twitter spat with rapper Azalea Banks. Everyone's out of Twitter. We were just talking about this earlier. Everyone's out of Twitter. It's sooner or later it's going to be my turn. With the release of a debut album, Dirty Gold Looming, Kieran had a chat with her. Hi, I'm Angel Hayes. I am the new superstar angel of death. That's why the lighting's so dark in here, right? Yes, I'm summoning Satan. I'm in that new school Jeep I wagon. Color Komodo dragon. My bitch look like she jasmine. My nigga look like a Latin. N-K-O-T-B, bitch. All these bitches is has-beens. I see PR the game and now all these bitches is gasping. So tell me about, let's just go in straight to the new album. How are you feeling about it? I feel great, honestly. And despite all the darkness around us, I guess this album isn't very dark. And that's what I like most about it. Uh, on the first record, I seemed a bit troubled, you know. You know, on this album, it's, it, there's a clarity and there's a certainty and the music that you've never heard before with me. So 
I feel great about it. I know the last time we spoke, you, you mentioned that you kind of studied psychology and you had a real interest in that kind of thing. So kind of how much has that deconstruction of the human psyche or human behaviour influenced the new record? Maybe it's not done it that much. I think I took more of a just like, not, not I, I don't want to say vague, but like a standard, like just stance where I see something and I say it how it is. You know, I don't like, I don't break it down. I don't do anything like that. I just it's documenting what you see and how you feel about it and stuff like that. So for me, the psychology thing has to come into play when when I write a book or something, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, at times on the record, it is a bit dark, you know. There's always going to be that dark, ominous side of me, but there's always that undertone of shit. Just like, yeah, I want to dance to this, you know. Like, I want to I freaking get hype. So for me, it's like, it's all about fun. I'm happy now. <laughs> One of the most interesting things about stuff that maybe deviates from the mainstream um, rap world is that this seems to be the era of a hip-hop eccentric. You know, we have our Danny Browns and Action Bronsons and Lil B's and Riff Raffs, you know, like, you know, these <laughs> these guys, you know, have a real, like, character. We you know, I feel like we've kind of bypassed the 50 Cent era. Oh, <laughs> you mean the rappers who carry around guns and wear bulletproof vests, and then you have guys like Lil B with entitling their albums, I'm Gay. I think that's awesome, honestly. That's a, a giant leap forward for humanity within our culture, you know? So it's like, I don't know. I guess I'm really excited to see what it becomes because there's like this weird cosmic shift that's happening where everyone is just having the balls to be who they are. It's kind of like when you go to high school and you like want to wear some shoes someone's never seen before and you wear them and you're like, oh shit, everyone's going to talk about me. Half the people are going to hate it and half the people are going to love it and some of them are going to bite the fuck out of you, you know? But that's how that's how life is, so... I think that's how hip-hop is. It's evolving. There's always someone who's coming and doing something new and setting a new trend. And imagine if that person was just them and no one followed the trend and everyone did exactly what they felt they should do. Imagine how crazy and eclectic music would be then. So fuck these idiotic theories. That shit just stupid people city. There's too much ugly in the world to just be blinded by it's pretty. That's why there's women being raped. Judges diminishing the case. Got stupid athletes making statements like they ain't cameras in their face. Cost way too much to go to college. Niggas still end up jealous. And all these cops are corrupt. It's self-defense. That's why he shot them. And I ain't blind to the shit. I see the fester and the hate. I know these times ain't changed. That's just deception in the day. And they don't want you to see. No, they don't want you to see. We getting way too Deep. We floating up shit's creek. They put the truth for you won't look. Truth for you won't look. Let's put this shit up on this page. You know them niggas don't read no books. Know them niggas don't read no books. Know them niggas don't read no books. Navigate through all the bullshit to see what else they took. New slaves. So do you think that we're in a moment where it's becoming less masculine? And if so, has that kind of helped you? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think it's becoming less masculine. I think Slowly. I feel like the aesthetic maybe has. I think like Danny Brown wearing leopard print oh, yeah, leggings yeah. on stage and that not being a thing might boys, be. Boys becoming very androgynously um, styled. Yeah, but that doesn't really mean anything for girls. It just means you have to work harder now. You know, for girls, the state of hip-hop is slowly faltering, you know, and they're still have, they still have the mentality that there must only be one girl at a time, you know. And, 
you know, I've got friends, you know, like Iggy and all of us, we've been working really hard to make it like acceptable for there to be not only one, but like maybe 10 girls at one time. But th- but things are definitely changing in that there seems to be a, a little bit more of a kind of complex identities of female rappers before yeah. maybe it was like very sexualized, very little Kim and nothing else. Now we have Brooke Candy being openly gay or we have, you know, lots of different kind of... Yeah, like, awesome. Yeah, lots of different kind of female rappers. So is this the best time? Yeah, it's definitely. I think I say this often, but a lot for the generation of female rappers coming now, especially after Nicki Minaj, a lot of it is owed to the fact that she was so relentless in who she was and the psycho Barbie or like whatever it was that was so weird to other people that like they were just like, oh, what the fuck, you know, she had to keep going and keep going and keep being herself and like regardless of being compared to everyone. So it's like once that door was open and then there was Azealia Banks and now there's Iggy and now there's myself and we're all so different like in regards to like our messages and who we are as people that like a lot's to be said about how women portray themselves in rap now. It's not a sex show. I think also for you particularly, kind of, I think you have a certain kind of mainstream appeal, which might have been surprising maybe a decade ago. Hell yeah. You know? Imagine little androgynous me a decade ago anywhere. So I don't know. I think it's really fun now because like I like to refer to myself as the rap game Haley Williams. Remember when when she first came out, when Paramore first came out and she was just wearing t-shirts and like that's how it is. Like, you know, like you have those girls who are captivating without having to sell sex. I look up to Haley. Like she she made it possible for me to feel like I could be myself. So little androgynous me decade later coming out because I feel like there are girls like me out there, you know? There's a billion girls like me. I meet so many freaking girls at festivals and shit. And they're like, dude, I wish I had the balls to dress like you. And I'm just like, do it. Like, I don't really give a shit. It's pretty fun. That was Kieran talking to Angel Hayes. Her new single, Echelon, It's My Way, is available for download on the 14th of October. Let's move on then with this week's Singles Club. First up, My Choice. Everyone's competing for love they won't receive Cause what this palace wants is release We live in cities you'll never see on screen Not very pretty but we sure the world That's Lord Team, um, it's track from a forthcoming uh, album, Pure Heroin. Um, it actually faded out just before the bit that made me sort of, the first time I heard it, it almost punched the air in delight where she sings a lyric. And you know, Lord is 16 years old and she sings the lyric, I'm kind of over being told to throw my hands up in the air. And I thought, right on, baby, that's amazing. I'm just really glad someone said that. Yeah. I'm really glad the person that said that is not a middle-aged, boring bloke like me. It's a kid going, this is, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of calling out um, the disparity between, you know, uh, what teenagers are presented with uh, by pop culture and the lives of, of teenagers. Um, the album is brilliant. I, I've got a really 
you know, it's probably the kiss of death. I'll never hear of her again for me saying this. Um, but I've got a really good feeling about the Lord record. I've got a feeling it's going to be absolutely massive. Yeah, I mean, she's got she's got the YouTube internet sensation, mm-hmm. Kiwi vibes going on. She was really good on Jules Holland, actually. She was great on Jules Holland. Fantastic, kind of massive and theatrical. Mm-hmm. But I liked Royals a lot more than, than this. Interesting. Because that was... That was big, theatrical, mm. massive production. Uh, whereas this was a little bit, a little bit more low key. Definitely more low key. Yeah, um, absolutely. But still very much enjoyable. And it was kind of like the antithesis of kind of Miley Cyrus gimmicky. Like it's all about. It's not really about the song. It's about all the other stuff that's going on yeah. around it. Where she just kind of nails it and is straight up pop and does it very well. I think that's the interesting thing about her is that that the, the, the whole album acts as a kind of critique of, of pop culture, where pop culture is at in you know 2013 or whatever and it doesn't feel in any way contrived it i mean it has to be said she's been served enormously well by miley cyrus um <laughs> because you said you know she's sort of arrived in britain just as all this stuff that looks quite bad as is, is sort of happening it just feels like as you say it's, it's the important thing about it, i think is that it's pop music if it was a rock band if it was somebody you know that if it was jake bug saying this it wouldn't really matter because it's like well you're not in that world this is not who it's aimed at blah 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 actually this is kind of a young girl who writes all her own lyrics who does all right you know what i mean she is definitely in charge of what's going on i heard a story amazing story she signed when she was 12 and when she was 12 they signed they signed her because the record label saw a clip of her performing um warwick avenue by duffy at a uh, school concert, right? How what record labels doing looking at a video of a school concert? I don't know, but we'll we'll, we'll move on. And uh, they said, "What we can do? Album of soul, uh, EP of soul covers. That's how we're going to launch you." And she told them to sort off and went, "No, I'm going to write my own songs. I haven't written any songs yet, but I'm going to write my own songs." Nice. Wow. That's a lady that's in control of her vehicle. Absolutely. Twelve. Um, that's great. Kieran, did you did you enjoy? Yeah, it? I liked it. I kind of I liked how uh, low key it was because for that very reason that. Uh, it didn't sound like contrived melancholia and it really, it kind of sounds like what, you know, Ellie Goulding or Taylor Swift are trying to achieve or it kind of um, sounds like she's she's been on like a few more sad pills than those girls, those <laughs> teen songstresses. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it's good. I like I like um, the, the lyric about putting your hands in the air and also about just being a teen because a lot of a team rather than a teen because a lot of um, that age is about you know being part of a collective or part of a group or you know being quite tribal and her referencing that so articulately is is quite surprising and quite nice isn't it and it's quite sad it's quite it's quite difficult because it sounds sounds like quite sad and when I think back to those teen years sometimes uh, the glossiness of pop music makes you uh, be nostalgic towards a time when you're all very happy and technicolor mm. and putting your hands in the air but actually it was quite shit wasn't yeah, it? it was just all spots and uh, <laughs> rejection yeah that was it. yeah no it's the same experience for me I, I hated being a teenager it was garbage yeah um, and you need that because it must feel really difficult for a teenager now who maybe isn't into you know niche musical scenes but enjoys pop music but mm. you know that doesn't reflect their experience at all it'd be horrible wouldn't it and also you know your life is um as a teenager now, it's all about display in a way that it wasn't about... You know what I mean? Mm. This is, again, something that... I, I interviewed Lord earlier this week, and this is something she said to me. She said the, the issue with going to a party as a 16-year-old now is it's not about the party, it's about how everything looks, because the important thing is the fact that it's going to get a photo on Instagram or you're going to put a photo up on Facebook because people are obsessed with surface appearance of things yeah. rather than if you're having a good time or da 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 You know... Quite a thinker. She's yeah, good. Really you know, Smart girl. It's it's sort of amazing. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I kind of hope it takes off because it's kind of intelligent, non-patronising pop music. It doesn't appear to have been put together by a bunch of old people who think this is going to sell to teenagers. I just think it's a generally good thing. So three thumbs up, four, six thumbs up. Very good. Let's move on to Kieran's choice. Jesse Lanza and Kathy Lee. Um, Kieran, you brought this in. Yes, so this is um, Hyperdub's newest signing, Jesse Lanza, who is a Canadian artist, uh, producer, um, and a songwriter, songstress, whatever you want to call her. Um, and this song is produced by Jeremy Greenspan, which is one half of the Canadian um, electronic duo Junior Boys. Um, so there, if, if you're familiar with them, there are kind of strains of their kind of production sound within this track as well. Um, and it's from the album Pull My Hair Back, which is pretty much in line with this kind of sparse 80s, 90s R&B influenced vocal um, and lots of kind of bass claps and being very nicely paced and things like that. Um, but yes, I really, really liked it. I think um, there's probably a little bit of similarity to the Kalela track that I bought in last week. Yep, I was going to say that. Um, you know, and I think that there's definitely like a movement between that, you know, the, the twigs, Cassie, Kalela, Herb, you know, an almost response to the the Jessie Ware sound, which is always name-checked as like the electronica female vocal sound. And this feels a little bit richer than than Jesse Wears, I think, and, and I prefer it, I think. It's a lot less mainstream. I think, yeah, it feels, but this, yeah. but this, even from Hyperdog, I thought might be their, their big mainstream crossover because, um, the, I mean, they have acts like Burial and, and DJ Rashad and the other girls they have are Iconica and Cooley G. So, mm. you know, I've, this to me sounds like this probably could be a mainstream hit, but yeah, I just think it was really beautiful and um, I, I liked yeah. it a lot. Yeah, Hyperdog, I mean, Hyperdog had, uh, had a big year. I think um, yeah. DJ Rashad's album, which I think is due out soon, that was big and iconic as well, which Jessie Alanza features on. I think yeah. she's on like the third track or whatever. And that's the first time I heard her. On that track, she's very much kind of almost uses another instrument. She's like sampled on it. And it's in this one, she kind of uh, vocals allowed to run out. And it's mm-hmm. it's, it's really impressive, I think. Um, similar to Jessie Ware, but it also reminded me a little bit of the XX in a way. It's kind of very sparse, the production. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Loki. Um, have you seen the video? Yes. That's brilliant with that dancing guy. What's his name? I've got it written down somewhere. <laughs> It's Jed the dancing guy. Jed. He just dances around this town in Canada. Wow. And it's probably the best use of a dancer since that um, the Avalanches video. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it too. I've heard the album before already. Um, do you I like really, the album? Yeah, I do. I think it's a really interesting record. I like the stuff that Hyperdub do when it's slightly touched in one way or another by pop music. I mm. think that's probably the most interesting, to, my, to me, use of that kind of sound of the sort of the hyperdub sound or whatever which is this you're right this is different because it does sound a bit more like junior boys but it, it, you know it's, you can definitely tell what label it's on well it's just a lot more accessible isn't it it is well. but I mean you know I like I really like Hoolie J it's my favourite albums last year and um, I really like this I just think it's I think it's good I think she's got a really good voice I think the backing is is consistently intriguing and, and you know it's, it's, it's obviously an attempt to make an interesting pop record which is you know mm. which draws on dubstep in a way that if you think about how a lot of pop. I've, I've got this real feeling in my head at the moment that we're in the middle of a kind of sea change or a wind change yeah. in terms of pop music, and that actually that kind of 
the standard sounds of pop music that have been now in place for several years, that kind of maximalist rave synth kind of thing, the dubstep, you know, the kind yeah. of bro step influenced kind of grinding baseline, all that. I've got a feeling that's sort of over because the biggest selling pop records this year, Get Lucky, Blurred Lines, and that Avicii thing, which is not, by I can't bear that Avicii record, but they, <laughs> but they don't sound like that, yeah. you know what I mean? And suddenly, if someone, when someone comes back with a record that does sound like that, as Lady Gaga has done, and as I've been reviewing it this week, Jesse J has done, you just think, oh, this sounds really old. This sounds yeah, really yeah, yeah. dated, I thought that as well. well. Stuff like that where it's so kind of overloaded and overbearing, it will age very, very quickly. It's not subtlety. To no, 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 absolutely, no. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 I always think it's like that sound, if you want to know what pop music, in, in 20 years' time, that will absolutely sum up pop music from sort of like whenever yeah. 2009 to kind of 2012 or whatever. Yeah. I'm sorry, the reason I'm talking about all of this is it would be really nice if the kind of doors are blown off a little bit because you, we've been through a period where everybody who wanted to get into the charts basically had to make records that sounded alike. Everybody, you know, rappers are making records that sounded like that, R&B artists sounded like that, pop artists sounded like that. EDM DJs that sounded like that. And music became very clotted and really homogenous in a way that I can't ever remember it sounding that homogenous. Yeah. And I think that if that is over, there might be room for something like this to actually be quite successful because, you know, you go back to, no, it's me banging on about, you know, early noughties R&B again, but that period where what R&B worked by the fact, you know, the massive R&B hits, whether they were by Aaliyah or Brandy or whatever, they worked because you were like, what the... Hell is this when it yes. came on the radio? This sounds so odd. Is yeah. this, you know, literally, I, the first time I heard What About Us by Brandy, I thought there was something wrong with the radio. I mean, I was in the back <laughs> of a cab and I was a bit out of it. And I was like, this radio's badly tuned in or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would really like, and there's an element of that about this. And yeah. there's an element about about that record you brought in last week. Yeah. And um, I find that really kind of positive. Well, that, that point's really interesting because another, another kind of news piece this week was the uh, Britney Spears single, mm-hmm. uh, Work Bitch. Um, and Sebastian Grosso is from uh, is one third of Swedish House Mafia. He was th- there was this contract or this picture of the contract, apparently a contract that was going around, which put, had him down as like one of the producers on it. And he instantly was like, "No, I'm dissing myself from this." He was like, "I have nothing to do with it," which was really weird because the sound was exactly like a Swedish. House <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And He probably he might have been involved in it, but the fact that he just doesn't want to be involved in that at all might say something about what you've I've got. I just think if you're three big like massive pop hits of the year have absolutely and they don't particularly sound like each other you know Blurred Lines doesn't sound like Get Lucky you think of it the same in your head because they've got Pharrell on them and you you know you can't get away from them that Avicii record you know it's fucking awful but I mean it's not like an Avicii record you know what I mean would have been 18 months ago and it seems obvious to me that people think they have to do something different yeah, it goes back to that point about thinking that genres have to have a completely homogenous sound because mm. this is a really great example, even within the R&B genre, of these female voices coming out. And I think that a lot's been written, especially this year, of you know, still about you know Frank Ocean or the Weekend album, which actually was really great. Um, and you know, even like Jai Paul still written about as these kind of you know interesting R&B male voices. And now we've had a wave of something different within that genre, which st- still sounds similar, but um, this kind of the, the female vocal brings something different to it. So I think that's and also I think it would be good point. if genres became more obviously delineated. Yes. You know, the, the way things traditionally, and this is not to do with R&B in the 90s or noughties, this is to do with R&B in the 50s, mm. that's where kind of the innovation in pop music is. And whatever black R&B artists do, 
white artists will copy and turn into pop music, and that's absolutely what happened with, you know, the Beatles. It's absolutely what happened. And that's the way of the... And the most disappointing thing I found about that kind of homogenisation of pop is it's like R&B records sound like... You know what I mean? They sound yeah. like pop records. Yeah, that yeah. gap has gone, you know? Absolutely. And it's, that seems to me to be just an upending of the natural order of things that it does nobody any good. It, you know, it just means boring R&B records and boring pop records because, you know... Well, it's interesting that Pharrell's back because he was yeah. absolutely the forefront. Like, the Neptunes no, totally. completely changed everything. They were incredible. Them and Timbaland, pretty mm. much. Like. But that's interesting because Timbaland's come back as well and there's almost this sense that the Neptunes... And Timberland, because Timberland made that Justin uh, Timberlake record, mm. which there are a lot of things wrong with. But again, it's not that kind of rave pop thing, which yeah. would have been the obvious thing for him to do. I just got the impression they were sitting it out, <laughs> waiting for, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Change is coming. Things yeah, are Pharrell did try those solo albums, which were, which were pretty terrible. <laughs> and he got obsessed with skateboarding and stuff. But now he's kind of, yeah, he's back on track. No, he is back. He is back on track, and that's that's really good. And that's the the story about the Jesse J thing, is that she tweeted all these pictures or Instagram all these pictures of herself and Pharrell in the studio, which is you sort of think, you know, that might be interesting. I mean, I'm not the world's biggest Jesse J fan, but and it turns out that the only reason she, the reason she's in the studio with Pharrell is because she's handed her, her album into American record label, and they've gone no. It's not finished. You need more stuff on it. And when you hear the album, it's like, yeah, fairly obviously it isn't because it just sounds like that, you know, auto-tune vocals, dubstep bass line. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really boring... And it, it's kind of unfortunate for her in that a year ago that would have been all right. Yeah. You know, it would probably be enough to get by. Anyway, let's not talk about Jesse J. Um, uh, let's talk about Jesse Lanza. Yes, that's the kind of link. That's the sort of stuff that we want. Not Jesse J. Let's talk about Jesse Lanza. Her album, Pull My Hair Back, is out now on Hyperdove. Finally, Landry's Choice. Landry. That was Zebra by One or Tricks Point Never. One or Tricks Point Never. Bannon Warp. You brought that in. Tell us. Yes, I really like this guy, aka uh, Daniel Loptine. Um, and he's a ridiculously talented dude. Um, he's just uh, soundtracked the. I did the score for the Bling Ring with uh, Sofia Coppola and had an amazing album uh, in 2011, Replica. And the reason I brought this in because this is quite different to that. Um, Replica was this really organic kind of grainy electronica record which sounds a little bit like Tim Hecker if you know that kind yeah. of stuff and this is a bit I don't know I think it's a little bit of a when it starts off I was like is that like is he going to do like an EDM <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like suddenly explode and obviously it doesn't like, after about a minute it goes into these big kind of weird drones mm. then it comes back out and it's kind of it's got synths and, and sax all over it yeah, I just think it's it's really interesting. It's it is re- it is a really interesting record. Again, like you, like yourself, I thought I knew where this record was headed. And let me tell you, listener, it fades out. It doesn't do what you think it's going to do. I think it, it's fair to say, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of six minutes of uh, kind of meandering troughs and peaks. It's kind of all over the place, but it's 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 good. It's rewarding. And the rest of the album, uh, R Plus Seven, is is fantastic as well. But it's slightly it's cleaner than than Replica. Definitely, yeah, 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 absolutely. Which did sound a bit like Tim Hecker. I think that's a very good, uh, very very apt comparison. Uh, Kieran, yes, I loved it as well. Wow, we like everything. It's so good. We're so happy. Hey, this it's, is amazing. It's uh, you know, I'll give you that five alert. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know, I like the experimental quality of it, and I like how it kind of merges into those light speed synths 
at one point and it has that kind of you know raw shark test element to it doesn't it where you're kind of lending yourself to think about how you, it makes you feel so I was listening to it and being like oh god I feel so uh, nostalgic and now really sad and now really happy now really tense but that's kind of really that's really good that music can environmentally affect you Absolutely. in that way because yeah. so much you know I, I, this is not it's always not a complaint about being a music critic but you know I, I find I have to like you know, we get great volume of music sent to me and more because you can send it on streams and things like that. And a lot of the time it's just in the background. Mm-hmm. And it actually takes, you know what I mean, something that environment... I mean, it didn't really say Tim Hecker because I was listening to his album at the weekend in the car with my kids. And um, oh, that, that, did, that. that didn't work very well. <laughs> How <laughs> does it make uh, them feel? Um, well, I tried to ask them that because Esme was like, "What's the, is the, is, Esme's first question was, is this music? <laughs> Esme seven. Um, <laughs> is this music? And then... Going back to Jesse J, the, the standard by which all art in our house of any kind must be judged is Jesse J. Um, it's quite the filter to go through. It is amazing. Are, who's this dad? Oh, it's the Beatles. All right? Are they famous? Yes. Are they as famous as Jesse J? Um, <laughs> you know. So um, what I liked about the Tim Hecker thing, and it's also true of this record, is it kind of filled the room. It filled the car. Mm. It was there was no getting away from it. There was no turning it down to make it more acceptable or turning it up to the. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like it's music that that that. that forces you to pay attention and you know as Kieran said you know work out how you feel how it's making you feel which is good absolutely I went to go see uh, Tim Hecker and Arnold Feeney in, in Bristol a while ago and he's playing with uh, actress uh, and Demdiki Stare wow and that whole night was just like he was stood near the um, near the speakers, and it was just a physical kind of assault because it was so loud. Right, it was right, absolutely right. ridiculous. My girlfriend had just moved over from Spain. It was her first night in the UK. And I was going to go see that. I'm surprised she didn't leave. <laughs> Packing the bags, yeah, yeah, getting the hell out of there. Great. Did you but cry? It, what's that? Did you cry? Me, maybe inside. <laughs> Why would you be crying? It's just, too, it's just too like emotionally like yeah. just so much going on, isn't it? I think like that kind of lineup, it's like designed for like either hipsters, hipsters, but also yeah. like either like melancholic outpouring on the dance floor or just like quite full on like physical response. Yeah, you know? the, the other like actress and Demdiki there were just absolutely brutal as well. Like, really, kind of really unremitting night of just you had the kind of electronica <laughs> from Tim Hecker, really super loud, and Demdiki there, and then. Actresses turn up with a hoodie, put it over his head, and just play techno all night. Like just ridiculous. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, great. Yeah. What a gig! Yeah, no, it was really good. Um, Zebra is taken from the One Eye Tricks Point Never uh, album R Plus Seven, which is out September the thirtieth on Warp, and that, as we end in complete agreement, is Singles Club. Dom Lawson is rock. He's so rock that when he was 13, Jim fixed it for him to be a roadie for Iron Maiden. So we asked Dom to come in and round up the month in metal, because I was busy. The metal world has been celebrating after Avenged Sevenfold scored their first number one album on both sides of the Atlantic last week. Widely tipped as one of the few bands capable of moving up to festival headliner status, their feat is even more remarkable given that Hail to the King is a proudly straightforward heavy metal album in the tradition of Metallica and Iron Maiden. Global hugeness now seems inevitable.
Speaking of Metallica, who are always fond of grand gestures, they're poised to release their first full-length feature film, Metallica Through the Never. Realised in eye-popping 3D, the movie mixes bombastic live footage with a behind-the-scenes fictional narrative about the exploits of a roadie named Trip, played by Dane DeHaan, best known for the indie flick Chronicle. Initial reactions suggest that Through the Never is a bit rubbish, but Metallica have promised that their next project will be a brand new studio album, their first since Death Magnetic in 2008, and hopefully that won't be rubbish. Seventeen years on from their aptly named final album Swan Song, British death metal legends Carcass released a brand new album this week entitled Surgical Steel. Hugely influential, not to mention loved by the late John Peel, they have quite a legacy to uphold, but fortunately Surgical Steel is every bit as vicious, technically dazzling and oddly accessible as their fans will have been hoping. They tour the UK as part of Metal Hammer magazine's Defenders of the Faith tour this November, alongside Amon Amarth, Bleed From Within and Hell. Finally, any chance I had of convincing Guardian podcast listeners that heavy metal isn't entirely ludicrous went out the window when it was announced that US veterans Manowar, the most metal band of all time, in case you didn't know, have recruited Brian Blessed to contribute a voiceover for their forthcoming album, a re-recording of the band's 1988 classic, Kings of Metal. Even better, the revered British actor has told Metal Hammer magazine that he intends to perform live with Manowar next year. It really doesn't get any more metal than that. That was Dom Lawson. And that's it for this week. Thanks to Dom and Angel Hayes and, of course, to Lannery Bakery. That's, that's, what an amazing dinner party lineup that would be. <laughs> Dom Lawson, you, Angel Hayes. I wonder how that would go. Imagine that. <laughs> um, get Tim Hecker in. And get Tim Hecker in to provide yeah. the soundtrack really loud. <laughs> yeah. um, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. We'll yeah, do this you. again. This is great. Absolutely. Um, Kieran, you and I will be back uh, next week for a psychedelic special. It's going to be amazing. We're all going to take LSD and see what happens. Check out guardian.co.uk forward slash music weekly for more information on the show. We'll see you next week. Bye. 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 For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio. Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, providing creative tools that help you bring your ideas to life. 
Squarespace offers free domain names, customizable designs, drag and drop tools, and 24-7 support. Squarespace also offers seamless e-commerce solutions for you or your small business. Every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website, so your content will look brilliant on any device. Start your free trial today, no credit card required. As a Guardian podcast listener, you will get 20% off in September by going to squarespace.com and using the offer code GUARDIAN.